spectacular experience, starting out in a tropical climate and then making your way, you know, up to a, a you know, a sub-zero environment around the rim of the, the dormant volcano. Welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we're chatting about fitness and faith. You know, we all need motivation, whether it's to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Jason Dennis here, and we are uh, now into December. Thank you so much for listening to this episode five of the Run the Race podcast. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving has passed. Christmas is just a few weeks away. The holidays are here, which means a lot of you may be doing some uh, traveling out there. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, uh, traveling the world and uh, seeing things from a different perspective. And uh, if you missed uh, my last interview, it was with a guy I met on a plane, Steve, who um, is from Pennsylvania and actually lost his heartbeat for 15 minutes, uh, essentially died. Doctors brought him back to life and they called him the miracle man. And since then, uh, from earlier this year, that incident happening, he has uh, run some triathlons, even a 50-mile race recently. So really an inspiration story and uh, talking about uh, his experiences and his new lease on life, you might say. So if you uh, get a chance to listen to that on uh, Spotify, iTunes, go to WTVM.com slash podcast. I'd love for you to write a, a review on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, and help uh, keep us in business here for the Run the Race podcast. Now, um, our interview today is with a pastor in Georgia who's um, been uh, pastoring churches for more than 25 years now. Uh, He's somebody new that I've gotten to know recently. And what I didn't know is some of the adventures he's gone on really all over the world. He's uh, taught in places like Africa, uh, been to um, Japan. And he's uh, on. And in Japan, he actually climbed Mount Fuji. It's the highest volcano there, more than twelve thousand feet. And even higher than that, he's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa. So you're going to hear him later on in this podcast talk about those adventures, not only physically in terms of hiking and running, but also his adventures in faith and uh, what he says about you know how to deal with everything that's going on around the holiday time and around December. So we're going to talk to Pastor Chuck Hasty later in this podcast. You know, it's it's like Dr. Seuss says, oh, the places you'll go. You know, you really we really need to stop and smell the roses, look around. You know, this world is really amazing. Uh, such a big world out there. Um, you know, if you just stay um, in the city where you live, um, you really kind of lose those opportunities. So I would say just go. Um, it's like just do it from Nike. Just go and you know, go out and see God's beauty all around the world. Um, you know, Aerosmith even has a good quote from one of their songs, life's a journey, not a destination. You know, I've actually been on um, almost 10 overseas mission trips now uh, with different churches. Uh, most of that was building a church or building uh, maybe a Bible school, something like that. My first trip was to Haiti um, almost a decade ago, and it was a life-changing for me uh, because I had never been out of the country for a mission trip where I was there to serve others. 
trip to Haiti, this was about a year after the earthquake happened, and there were still almost a million people living in tents. It took us about an hour to go seven or eight miles to our work site, and just the smell of death everywhere and just thousands of people all in the streets. Just You see the need that was really there uh, for, uh, for churches, the need there for help, uh, for food, uh, for just people to, to treat them with respect. And uh, just love on the people of Haiti. And I know there's so many places all around the world, uh, third world country like that, that really need help. So if you're able to go on a mission trip or maybe um, send money uh, and help people out, you know, you see people raising money all the time on Facebook. Uh, My last overseas mission trip uh, more recently, which just happened over this past summer, was to Africa with a ministry called Take the City. just one of the most amazing adventures I've ever been on. Uh, We went to Nairobi, Kenya. We started off there, did a night outreach, saw a lot of people give their lives to God. Uh, We just saw some really pumped up praise and worship. We taught evangelism at a church in Kenya. And uh, then we went to a place called Malawi. It's now one of my favorite places in the world. They call it the warm heart of Africa. Uh, Beautiful mountains, but the people were even more beautiful and uh, just so kind We were able to do some street preaching and uh, praying for folks in the market, Um, had some divine appointments with people there, and were able to even meet an insurance company general manager uh, while we were buying a speaker. And he invited us to come out to his company and uh, speak with um, his team and pray with them and witness to them and teach them Christian leadership, uh, which was really um, you know, amazing that we had that opportunity. And then we ended it with an outdoor crusade filled with people dancing um, out in, in the mountains and, and uh, in Malawi. For me, um, was one of my favorite trips of all time. Now to our interview with a man who's done a plenty of traveling himself to more than 30 different countries and also is talking today about uh, faith around the holidays. Joining us now on the podcast is Pastor Chuck Hasty, who's a graduate of Davidson College, where he was actually chaplain in the early 90s. Then he attended Columbia Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, that area. He taught in Kenya and East Africa after college. He's been a Presbyterian pastor since 1992 and has traveled to nearly 40 countries, including recently to Israel. He's climbed some of the... Uh, uh, one of the highest, the highest mountain, in fact, in Africa. Joining us now again is Pastor Chuck. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. Great to be with you. Well, we uh, like I told you before, we uh, we start off with a fast four, so we're going to kind of rapid fire a little bit. So the first question is, what is your job description currently at work and also at home? Well, at work at Grace Presbyterian, I am the uh, the founding pastor. That church, we're about four and a half years old, and you're it's in Columbus, Georgia. Tell me about at home. You're a, a husband and a father as well. That's right. I am a, a husband of my wife Jeannie. Of uh, we're in our twenty fifth year now. Congratulations! We, thank you. And we have two beautiful inside and out. We like to tell them daughters and um, Abigail's twenty two, Ruth Ann's twenty. Abigail's out of college, and Ruth Ann's a sophomore at UGA. And so uh, at home, I am. Uh, Second in command. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So as a young man like yourself, how do you still stay physically fit on a regular basis? Well, thank you, Jason, for calling me young. (laughs) Uh, I I, uh, 
about uh, 10 years ago, I, uh, I started running, a running discipline. And uh, I, t- I turned 50 at that time. Uh, I actually celebrated a birthday just a couple of days ago. And I'm not a, ashamed to say I'm 59. So uh, as I was approaching my 50th birthday, um, I was kind of goaded into the idea of, of getting back into running because I did it. Uh, uh, I was actually on a uh, cross country team in high school and did some road races and you know that type of thing in 20s and 30s and I just stopped running. But uh, I uh, was talking with a friend at uh, the church that I was serving and and he said, Chuck, you need to get back into running. Mm-hmm. It, it it always been on my bucket list to run a marathon, but I thought I'm too old, my body won't hold up and that type of thing. And so uh, I got into uh, to distance running and have been doing that ever since. I, I try to get out three or four days a week. Uh, at this age, that's plenty. And uh, that's, that's, that's my discipline. It uh, clears the head and uh, it's going to be a lot of enjoyment. I've met new people in the running community and uh, it's been a good spiritual discipline as well. So tell me about, um, as a pastor for um, uh, several decades now, do you have a, a spiritual motto or something that you live by in terms of your faith on a regular basis? Uh, I, it's, I mean, I, there's so much of, uh, uh, you know, so many different pieces of Scripture that I, I just kind of feed on, uh, on on a regular basis. Uh, I was greatly influenced by a friend of mine named David Bailey, and uh, he he. Uh, was diagnosed with a grade four glioblastoma, given six months to live, ended up living 14 years with that uh, diagnosis and the treatment and, and all that came with it. But he was a singer-songwriter, and uh, he, wrote a, he wrote a song entitled One More Day. And uh, the refrain in the song is, Hallelujah, I've Got One More Day. And in one of his concerts, he encouraged folks to, uh, to say those words when they got up in the morning. Hallelujah, I've got one more day. And uh, it, it uh, reminds me to live every day that God gives me to the fullest and uh, to make the most of it, to see uh, good uh, shared with other people, the good news shared with other people, and uh, God to receive the glory. So it's kind of a, yeah, a mantra every day. Hallelujah, I've got one more day. Now what am I going to do with it? That's right. I, I, like, I like that. I like that. And also one last uh, of the fast four, what is one unique thing about you? I, I've i appeared in Sports Illustrated. Oh, okay. Tell me about that. Uh, I was at the British Open in 1983 when uh, Tom Watson uh, won there at the course near Liverpool. And um, I uh, found myself in the, in the gallery and... Uh, um, edged up, you know how they at, at, on the 18th when the leader is is making his way down the the fairway, and uh, it was clear Watson was going to win that year. I got into the gallery close enough behind Tom Watson to have my picture taken. Wow! So I'm in the crowd. Uh, behind Tom Watson, but I like to say I was in Sports Illustrated. There you so. go, yeah, yeah. And you, you enjoy golfing as well. Yeah, I, uh, when I picked up running, I I, I uh, had to let golf kind of take second place, but uh, it's a sport that I've enjoyed through the years. Absolutely. And yeah. speaking of something unique, um, you were telling me you know, um, via text that you have climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, which is the highest mountain in Africa, highest single freestanding mountain in the world, 
more than 19,000 feet at the peak. And then also climbed Nin- Mount... 19,340 <laughs> feet. <laughs> That's right. And Mount Fuji, the highest volcano in Japan at 12,389 feet. Well, you've, you've done your homework, you Jason. So tell me about um, those experiences because um, people may like you know think, why in the world would you do something like this? Or what, what made you do it? Well, I found myself in Kenya uh, after college, and I was teaching high school in a Harambe school, which is a a community school, and Harambe is a Swahili word that means pulling together. And so the people in a local community would pull together to create their own school because in many uh, villages, they don't have the resources otherwise. And so I, uh, not knowing exactly what my life direction would be, I decided to adventure uh, experienced an adventure in Kenya and taught high school there. And so during one of my breaks, one of the months away from teaching, uh, a fellow Davidson graduate and I uh, made our way to uh, to some safaris in Tanzania and uh, wanted to climb Kilimanjaro and did that with a, a gentleman named Christopher M. Tui. I still remember his name. Huh. And at the time, and he may still hold the record, but he had uh, he had accomplished the most uh, successful ascents of the mountain, um, and I think it was his 103rd time to the top when he took us up, 19,340 feet, and it's uh, a spectacular experience. Starting out in a tropical climate and then making your way, you know, up to a uh, you know a sub-zero environment around the rim of the, the dormant volcano where it's snow covered. I mean, the, you remember the book, uh, The Snows of Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So uh, how long did it take you to get to the peak? It's about, um, it's about two, three days on the climb up and you have little huts and places where they accommodate the climbers um, in the ascent. And uh, you get up at sunrise on the third day and you practically hike in the dark because you want to be on the east rim to see the sunrise over the clouds and we actually got to experience that it was amazing and then you uh that morning hike around to the western edge which is the actual highest point the highest peak and then uh and then you're down and spend the night and you're off the mountain so it's it's four or five days total uh so you were you were in your twenties, I believe. You I were, was. You were pretty fit, I imagine. But any training involved for? I mean, in terms of your oxygen or being, you know, being able to last for the two or three days of all that hiking. Well, and that's that's one of the things that uh, that that most people who do uh, climb Kilimanjaro or, or attempt to it's it's uh, it's the fitness level, and sometimes it's the uh, oxygen uh, deprivation or poisoning that. Uh, lack of that uh, that would keep someone from making it all the way to the peak. But I was in very good shape. I had actually started a cross-country team at the little school where I was teaching. And so I'd been running with some of the, the, um, the high school students there. Not I was running behind them, but <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, I was trying to keep in shape. Yeah. Now was Mount Fuji was that um, sometime after that or before that? Fuji was after. Fuji was uh, actually while I was in seminary, and I I did my uh, my internship in Tokyo, Japan, at an English speaking church, and um, uh, during a break. Uh, you know, trying to see the country while I was there. Why not? Absolutely. I, uh, I made my way to Fuji and, and uh, was able to climb that mountain as well. Great experience. Now, that was just a one-day okay. uh, endeavor. You could go up and down the mountain in a day, yeah. So when you're, you know, as, as a man of faith, tell me about um, these climbs uh, to Kilimanjaro and Fuji, the peaks. 
is there, um, you know, is it an opportunity to kind of, you're seeing God's beauty or, or what is your thoughts as, as a young man doing these things? Absolutely. I mean, what a tremendous appreciation for the creation. It was a spiritual trek. It was, it was a spiritual endeavor. Um, yeah. And, and you do, you do, uh, you know, feel the, the, the closeness of, uh, of the Holy Spirit with you and, um, uh, a great deal of praise and gratitude for being able to experience something like that. Yeah. What would you tell people, you know, uh, maybe folks are, whether they be in their twenties or whether they be maybe, you know, in their fifties or sixties or whatever, in terms of traveling and seeing the world and, and doing exciting things like this. I mean, what that does in terms of benefit to your life. Cause it, I mean, it, it adds obviously the great memories, but it also, it just kind of uh, gives you a, a well-rounded sense of perspective on, on the world. Right. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that struck, well, I, I, would say, I would say about travel in general is I think it's one of the best uh, tools of education, of broadening our, our uh, horizons, deepening our perspectives, increasing our uh, appreciation for the, for the uh, blessings that, that we enjoy here in this country as opposed to some of the other ones that I've traveled in and Africa being a developing country. Um, but, uh, but, but also the things that people from other cultures and, and um, other backgrounds can, can teach you. Uh, it's not like, oh, let me impart my wisdom, my faith, but there's, there are things that can be learned from those individuals um, that uh, is very rich and rewarding. And, uh, you know, speaking of rewarding, you did the Camino, the Portuguese way, uh, which um, you trekked, I think it was, I don't know if it's 140 miles exactly, but it's more than 100 miles. Tell me about when you did that. And, and uh, I mean, that's, that's a pretty long way for the, for the average person. Right. That was, that was more recent. That was uh, about five years ago. Uh, my friend Chris Woodruff, uh, parishioner, uh, he, he, had, uh, he had endeavored to do the, the Camino, which is a, a spiritual pilgrimage that Christians have been um, um, participating in on the continent of Europe for centuries, actually. Uh, but he had done it some years before and was uh, so impacted by the experience, he was going to do it again and said, would you like to go with me? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, we, were, uh, we were in country about nine days, uh, trekking for about eight, and we averaged about 15 miles a day. Uh, we started um, in kind of at the central part of Portugal and uh, made our way north to the destination point of the pilgrimage, which is the, um, the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela, Spain, which is uh, Cathedral of St. James. It's believed uh, by legend that uh, the remains of the apostle uh, of Jesus uh, are buried there, that uh, he and his in his uh, missionary travels, had uh, been the first to evangelize that part of Spain. And so uh, when he died, um, his, uh, his disciples took him uh, to that location. And so they venerate his, uh, his remains there. And as I say, Christians have been taking the spiritual trek to that location for centuries. And it is a very spiritual place, and it's yeah. a very spiritual walk. It, it is. And um, this time of year, and you know, people obviously, you know, um, 
whether they maybe believe or not, the focus is, you know, kind of as we move on the month, the focus is more and more on Jesus, his birthday and Christmas just being a few weeks away. And uh, that can be a, a very, you know, happy time or, or there can be depression when it comes to the holidays. As a pastor, is this month, is it a busy time for you? Is this a time that, that, um, that you cherish in terms of with your church and, and fellow Christians? Absolutely. It's, it's um, along with Easter season. This, this is, uh, these are the high and holy days. And as, as you've alluded to, uh, these can be difficult times for, for folks because uh, memories um, become more real. Uh, those who may not be with, uh, be with us during this time of the year, their, their absence is, uh, is felt in uh, you know, more significant ways. Uh, the memories that uh, that we create from um, our childhoods and uh, different stages of our lives are heightened during this time of the year. So I think I think sometimes the uh, the longing or the absence can become more acute. But by the same token, on the opposite end of the spectrum, our joys can be higher, and uh, our celebrations uh, can be even more joyful during this time of the year. So it stretches us in 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 uh, in in you know both ways and of course the calendar gets busy and um you know the 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 shopping and the the family gatherings and all of those kind of things can can stress us out but i think the church is the place where we find our grounding and find uh find a an opportunity to come back to what is it that we are doing during this season, and why? And we found that we find that solid ground, uh, the 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 pieces of scripture that br- that bring us comfort, that bring us strength, that focus us on uh, on this greatest gift of all that we're that we're celebrating. Um, I'll, I'll mention this. This is a, a new little wrinkle in my Advent season, uh, preparing for for Christmas. Um, friend of mine, Neil Hatcher, he, he suggested uh, what, what, uh, what he called the, the Luke challenge. And he, he, uh, he said, Chuck, Luke is a gospel that has 24 chapters. And if you started in, on December 1st and read a chapter a day, you would finish on Christmas Eve. And he said, I can't imagine a better way to prepare for celebrating Christ's birth on Christmas Day than having read the whole chapter of Luke through the month of December. And so that's what I'm doing this year, and I'm encouraging my congregation and other folks, even through Facebook, uh, have, have jumped on board with this challenge. So I'm looking forward to that and think it'll, you know, bring even more meaning and uh, memories yeah. to the season. Because a lot of people, I mean, that's uh, maybe Luke is where they go to read the Christmas oh, story. Oh, of course, you know, yeah. Typically, so. Yeah. Um, and tell me about, um, you know, in terms of um, this time of year, you know, you were talking about how um, in travel, a lot of times as the traveler, you get more out of it than the people that you go there for or, or to be with. And it's the same thing maybe you know, around Christmas time where, you know, we, we give and receive gifts, but sometimes, you know, we want to get gifts, but sometimes when we give that that is the biggest gift to us. So talk about that, about how serving others, giving to others, especially this time of year when there's, you know, there's plenty of people in need, what that means, especially around the holidays. Well, two scriptures come to mind. Of course, um, I think it's the Apostle Paul, but he's quoting Jesus says, it is more blessed to give 
than it is to receive. So there is that blessing in the giving, even the greater blessing in the giving than the receiving. And of course, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. So in giving ourselves away in service, I think we, we really find uh, what it means to be a Christ follower and to imitate Christ and therefore represent him uh, in the way that we live. And those, those blessings, those um, experiences are very, very humbling. And um, I, th- I think they're the, they're the most fulfilling things that, uh, that we can experience during this time of year. Is, is finding those, those meaningful ways to, to serve others, even those that, uh, that we know and love and, and uh, you know, spend our days with, even in our families. Not, you don't have to go necessarily to one of our uh, wonderful ministries that, that serve uh, folks on a daily basis, but uh, you know, maybe there are those opportunities to serve those that we know well um, and, and experience a new dynamic in that relationship but uh but but seeking those ways to to uh, give ourselves away in love in the manner that uh that, that jesus did absolutely yeah and we'll get back to the interview after this short break where we're telling you a way you could help those in need as we get closer to christmas Many kids in our area go without receiving a toy at this time of year. In the spirit of the giving season, WTVM Newsleader 9 is partnering with local businesses to host a toy drive for children in need in West Georgia and East Alabama. You can help by donating a new unwrapped toy now through December 18th at Gill's Auto Sales. Headquarter Nissan, Ritz, Hollywood Connection, and WTVM. All toys collected will be given to local area children in need. Give a child in need a gift they will always remember. Donate Donate a toy toy today. today. You alluded to earlier about how this time of year, you know, our calendars filled up more with events, parties, um, different things to do, uh, going shopping, which some people love, some people don't uh, mm-hmm. at all. Um, so, you know, and as a pastor, you know, you, you have a very busy job um, and you're tugged probably a, a, a thousand different directions, I imagine, and, you know, like other jobs as well. But um, how do you balance, um, you know, being a good husband, a good pastor, a good friend, um, a runner, all these different things is you know, when you juggle those balls in the air. I mean, how do you um, how do you handle that? Uh, not so well sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I have I get a lot of grace from uh, from my wife and uh, even from my daughters. Um, my wife she said to me the other day. She said, "Chuck, we need a little more of you," and and I get that. But she's uh, she's understanding. Uh, of some of the demands and and what's expected, so uh, it's it's a give and take. It's a give and take. Uh, but uh, but but paying attention to what you're doing at that time, I think is is crucial. Otherwise, we're distracted and not giving our whole selves to anything. So when you're there, be there. Right, being present. Being present with the people in the event where you are and uh, giving yourself fully to it. and um, which, do, can, which can be tough when you have, like, smartphones and all the other distractions nowadays, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, putting that thing away is probably one of the best things we can do. <laughs> exactly. This time of year, you know, we're eating for Thanksgiving. We're eating at, like, you know, eight different parties for Christmas. 
um, and maybe being active is not maybe on the priority list for you. Why is that so important to have all these different active hobbies? Well, it's it's solitude. I mean, it, it's 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 time um, it, it's time apart. And I've found as I've gotten older, I am more of an introvert than um, I thought I was when I was much younger my, in my life. And so. I have discovered about myself I have to have time by myself <laughs> and so and so the running or or the hiking not 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 so much the sailing and the golfing these days but I love to play golf by myself go play nine holes alone um, I can not worry about people seeing my bad shots and <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. tell everybody about my good ones yeah. but uh, but I, that that's that's part of it and uh, also the energy that it gives me to stay active. Um, when I, when I do, uh, run and, uh, and I am being disciplined about getting those runs in every week, you know, three or four times a week, I carry that energy, uh, for the next day or two. It's, it's, uh, so the, the positive benefit of that is worth the effort to stay on top of it. The, the Bible talks about how our body's a temple right. and taking care of that. It's, it's sure. part of being fit as could be part of your worship. But I do believe that that this that this temple in the best shape that it can be in is 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 the the house of the house of the Holy Spirit that uh, uh, I, I can best avail myself to uh, to what God may want me to do or be. Um, and so, yes, I do watch what I eat and uh, and, and try to. Try to be smart about that, um, you know, quantity and quality. Now, with with running, I know that the two, uh, two of the last events that, that uh, you were at, I also was at the Marine Corps Marathon, which was in the rain, and the Soldier Marathon, which is right down the road from us here at the National Infantry Museum next to Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, tell me about, I mean, do you do a lot of marathons? Have you run a lot of these at younger age or in your 50s now? Well, as as I said, I I had always put on the bucket list running a marathon, and so as I approached that fiftieth birthday, I had the friend you know pushing me. You can do this, Chuck, and and so it wasn't until I was fifty that I ran my first marathon, and it's it's been my goal to run a marathon a year. I, I figure that was that's doable sure. because it takes five or six months to really get up to uh, that fitness level to be able to, to finish the, the event, to finish the race, which is always goal number one. But I've been able to do that. I've run approximately a marathon a year. So I've, I ran my 10th marathon, which was the Soldier Marathon. that was uh, here last month. The 10th anniversary of, of, uh, of the Soldier Marathon was my 10th marathon. So I thought it was uh, um, a cool thing to do to to run that event. I hadn't planned to run it because, as you said, I I had run the Marine Corps back in October yeah. up in Washington D.C. and as you know, having run that event, it was it was pretty grueling. Mm-hmm. Cold rain and uh, and then sun and steam. Yeah, it came out later. <laughs> the last half. And, and it was it was probably one of the most difficult marathons that that uh, I participated in. Finished and glad that uh, I can say that. But uh, when when uh, a gentleman at uh, at church came up to me and said, "Chuck, you ran the Marine Corps, didn't you?" And I said, "Yes." He said, "Are you going to run the soldier?" 
And I said, I'm not sure. He said, well, if you ran the Marine Corps, you've got to be Army strong. Oh, so the challenge. And then he said, uh, he said, how much is the how much is the entrance uh, fee for it? And I said, I I don't know. It's about it's about a hundred dollars. He pulled out his wallet and handed me twenty and said, you're twenty dollars closer. And so I I I had to accept the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm glad that I did because it was a fantastic event. Now, when you're out there, whether it be running a marathon for four or five hours or hiking up one of these mountains or wherever else you're maybe hiking in the North Georgia mountains, um, is it, um, you know, it's maybe you're with people and you're kind of conversating and fellowship, but um, do you, is it a time for you to maybe uh, listen to some music or, or maybe uh, pray or just question why am I doing this? <laughs> do all those things kind of come up in your mind? Um I, it's interesting. A lot of people listen to music when, when they run, or I, I don't. Um, I I, uh, I like to I like to be try to stay in tune with what else is going on around me. Being able to, you know, hear the traffic or or whatever it may be, um, or a hike in the woods to listen to birds, uh, that that type of thing, or hear you know uh, a deer or something. Uh, or a bear, maybe. <laughs> well, that's that, that. See, that's an important thing too. You need yes. to be uh, very, very aware of of, uh, of those kind of things. How would you challenge people in terms of you know being active and and kind of being the best version of yourself, you know, physically and spiritually? Um, I, th- I think um, spiritually, it's it's just the discipline of uh, waking up at the same time. And having having uh, the um, the two or three things that you do every morning, whether it's uh, and I'll, I'll I'll mention this as well. Back during the uh, lead up to Thanksgiving, I encourage people before they got out of bed or sit on the edge of the bed and think of five things that you're thankful for. Thank God for five things, and five different things every day. And I gave folks about a week and a half leading up to uh, Thanksgiving to just go just have that. It's just a small little day, daily discipline, but it, it can mean so much. And what happens is that carries over into the day. You find yourself being more grateful for more things as you prime your, your thoughts first thing in the morning the whole day becomes an exercise in being grateful. Um, I think the same thing is true when we when we read scripture in the morning. And uh, I've mentioned the you know the Luke challenge of reading a chapter of scripture a day and uh, and and speaking to God. But but uh, I wish I could quote it exactly. Uh, somebody sent me a quote recently that. Uh, that we ought to pray not long enough so that God hears us, but to pray long enough so uh, until we hear God. And I think so many times we we do a lot of firing off, you know, our our praises, our thanksgivings, our intercessions, our wants, our supplications, and then boom, amen, and we're on with it. But but to spend some time in silence, and that that's been a great. Um, rewarding exercise for me as well and some days I'm better at it than others but I do think even time in silence just pay attention to your breathing um, is is a good exercise as well again it centers us for the day 
And like when you go for that run, you carry the energy through the day. When you start off in prayer, grounded in scripture, you carry that energy with you throughout the day. Yeah. And like you were saying with running, it's, it's, you have to pay attention to your breathing, uh, your steps and, and your form and uh, kind of looking ahead instead Absolutely. of maybe looking down. So are those, you think there's a lot of crossover in terms of fitness and faith, the fact that they kind of um, are, are, are similar in a lot of ways? Absolutely. Um, I feel like I've said absolutely every time that you've said something. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such good insights, Jason. <laughs> but no, there are. There are many parallels. And, of course, Scripture um, talks about pressing on for the prize, for the high calling, and keeping our eyes on the prize, that type of thing. Um, and uh, running and not growing weary. Uh, walking and not fainting. Um, and and it it's whether you're whether you're doing it alone or with a, with another person and i I'd, i'll tell you this is something that i that uh I, I haven't mentioned to this point but one of maybe the most rewarding things that that i have gained out of my running discipline in the last couple of years is that i've started running with one of my daughters and she said could we run together and and that has been incredibly rich and rewarding time. So I'm not always out there, you know, Lone Ranger, uh, but have enjoyed uh, the discipline of running with my daughter. We've done some half marathons together. And she just recently said, I want to run a marathon. Will you help me? And so I put together a training plan for my daughter. And she's planning to run a marathon in Nashville in April. Wow. And so rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. That was my first one four years ago. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the, the, so the running will continue for Pastor Chuck, maybe into your sixties and beyond perhaps, right? God willing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's the goal. The church, you, know, you said you, you founded this church um, five years ago. It's kind of a church it's plant. About, about four and a half years ago. Okay. And I wish I could say I founded it. Of course, um, the Holy Spirit founded the church, and it's founded upon Jesus Christ. And there was a, an incredible group of people who came together and felt uh, that God was calling them to create uh, a new church and uh, to pursue uh, a direction of faithfulness of Jesus Christ as Lord and Scripture as God's authoritative word upon which we stand and that guides our lives. And I was able to join this group of people uh, by their invitation. It's, a, it's been an exciting journey with an incredible group of people, and uh, we're, we're just being blessed uh, in so many incredible ways uh, by the church that's hosting us now in their building, Rock Presbyterian Church. And we're looking forward to that new home that, uh, that, that we're building and uh, the new people that will become part of this family of faith and to see what God's going to do to transform this city. There are so many things that God's doing in Columbus, Georgia, and uh, shaping and molding this place and transforming it in people's lives. It's uh, it's an exciting time to be alive and to be... um, to be serving Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And the name of your church, Grace, what does that word mean to you? Because there's there's grace and there's mercy, but what is the, the name Grace? Because it's Grace Presbyterian Church. What does that mean to you? Grace is that free gift that you can't earn. You, you don't deserve it. 
And it's given because uh, the sovereign God uh, is gracious. He, uh, God, God gives us what we do not deserve. And uh, grace is, uh, is, is uh, something that transforms our lives when we understand the, the manner in which it is given in abundance and freely and uh, costly at the price of his son's death but his powerful resurrection and uh, when you get something that precious and that powerful it does change your life and it makes you humble it makes you courageous and it makes you incredibly joyful absolutely yeah like any good gift yeah for sure yeah and it's free too amen um one last (laughs) question for you pastor chuck tell me about um you know as like you said easter time Christmas time are um, some of the maybe most heavily attended church times of the year. And sometimes people only go to church on Easter or on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Um, what would you tell people maybe that are listening to this podcast, don't have a church home, uh, they could be living anywhere, I mean, any maybe not even in Georgia. Um, what would you tell them about, you know, um, maybe trying to find a church home or trying something out and uh, maybe they've been hurt by a church before. What would you tell folks, especially as we head closer to Christmas? What we try to do is we try to to uh, welcome people to Grace Presbyterian Church as if they had experienced heaven on earth. Now, we're not always um, 100% successful in that, but we've had so many people say, uh, this is the friendliest church I've been to. You're so warm and authentic and, you know, all of those kind of flattering things. But but there is a real sense of, of welcome and joy at Grace. So I would certainly invite people to come, 5301 Sydney Simons Boulevard, the old Carmike Cinema. But I would say uh, maybe it's a church in your neighborhood. Maybe you've driven by that church, you know, two times a day for years and said, I wonder what goes on in there. I would say go find out. Just go find out. Or maybe somebody uh, has has invited you to the church and you haven't accepted that invitation, but you haven't forgotten that you were invited. And, and maybe you'll go ahead and take take up uh, that that uh, opportunity during this uh, during this most blessed time of the year. And um, I, I would just say take a risk. You know the the thing about church is is that maybe maybe we're we're judged at a higher standard because we have church and Christianity and all of that uh, label and veneer on it. But I mean, really, we're all just humans, and uh, the church is a human institution, and so we have to give each other grace uh, to recognize that uh, none of us is perfect. Um, but we do we worship the one who is. So. It's a good way to close it. All right. Thank you very much, Pastor Chuck. I appreciate it. You've lived a a very full life with uh, many decades to come. So I appreciate you joining us for this uh, podcast. And I'll see you uh, out there uh, at church or out there on the running trail soon. Excellent. I look forward to it. Certainly have enjoyed this, Jason. Thank you. It was really great getting to know Pastor Chuck. uh, Has been on so many different adventures of faith and also uh, traveling around the world. And he told me that he actually, when he started running, 
he did the Galloway method, which is essentially you do a little bit of walking, a little bit of running, maybe a minute of each back and forth. And that's what he did when he ran the Soldier Marathon a few weeks ago, and I had the pleasure to run that same race with him, saw him at the finish line, and uh, he also happened to be at the Marine Corps Marathon three or four weeks earlier. So uh, that's, uh, you know, he's a marathon runner like myself. That was my fifth marathon this year. So I've taken a little break, took a week off from running. Now I'm back at it again. So uh, my body definitely uh, enjoyed having the rest. Uh, well, now we are going to do our closing segments out. We have food for thought and also a parting gift and a prayer uh, as we kick off this month of December. And in Food for Thought, some uh, news tidbits, some things I've found on the internet, um, travel-themed, uh, as this show is. Um, this is talking about how um, you know the uh, fitness industry has a, a new thing. It's, it's called wellness tourism. It's one of the fastest-growing segments of the travel industry. And uh, places like Charleston, South Carolina, the hotels and resorts there are getting in on the action. Uh, there's a place called Wentworth Mansion, which they have an adventure and wellness package in Charleston, South Carolina, that includes a guided kayak or paddleboard tour, a three-course dinner for two, and a one-hour yoga session on the mansion's lawn. That sounds like a different kind of a unique adventure. Then there's a place called the Zero George on the peninsula, a wellness package rolled out last month combining fitness classes and food and an unusual turn includes a meal delivery service. Um, that's pretty cool. And worldwide, you know, the category of wellness tourism went from roughly about $550 billion in 2015. It's grown all the way to about $640 billion in 2017, according to the Global Wellness Institute. It's about a 6.5% annual increase, expected to increase even more, almost to a trillion dollars as a business, wellness tourism, in the year 2022. And also something that's kind of a growing niche is faith-based travel. That market growing fast as more destinations and suppliers work with religious organizations to create some new products. That's according to the president of the National Tour Association. Of course, there's pilgrimages and there's Holy Land tours going to Israel, which I had a chance to go to several years ago. And they're also seeing interest in smaller groups and, and unique experiences. An estimated 25% of all U.S. travelers are interested in taking a spiritual vacation and that U.S. market's about 16 million strong right now. And also some about 50,000 U.S. churches have travel programs, and that includes a wide range, maybe service-based or mission trips, religious conferences, and youth group outings. So that is our food for thought for today. And the, uh, the parting gift is a quote that uh, is you know, travel-related as well. It comes from Marcel Proust, a French novelist. And he says, quote, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And, you know, that just talks about having a new perspective. Because sometimes, you know, we're, it's not just about kind of how beautiful things are and, and around us all around the world, because there is God's beauty everywhere. But it's also about kind of getting, you know, a new perspective on life, about how important things are, you know, how good we have things here in America where we have know um, you know instant access with cell phones and everything else and and money to be able to buy things and nice things for our house or our car that kind of thing and when you go to other countries where there's uh, less things and the focus is on just uh, joy and um, you know helping others and serving others and so I encourage you to get that you know have those new eyes 
and go on those voyages of discovery all around the world. Well, thanks again for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. This is our fifth episode. Hard to believe we've been going for a month now, and uh, I appreciate you listening, tuning in. Please tell other people about it. Um, Share this on on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you uh, go on social media, and use the uh, hashtag Run the Race podcast. And as we do every podcast, we're going to close now in a prayer. God, just help us to have new eyes, to give us a new perspective uh, so that we can see people in a new way and to be kinder uh, people back home and uh, as we go to other places and that we learn to, to be in a more diverse atmosphere and culture. Uh, just help us to, to know that uh, other people are going through struggles and that we can help them through those and that you can help them, give them strength when they need it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this uh, number five podcast. Go to WTVM.com slash podcast. And again, uh, we'd love for you to continue this journey with us of fitness and faith as we continue and get closer and closer to the year 2020. So until next time, have a great week, everybody.